Hey, listener, are you happy with your current chicken wings? Do you wish you had something a little saucier? If you answered yes, then it might be time for you to break up with your old chicken wings and get a new honey. Lemon pepper wing from Popeye's. Share the wings with your friends so they can see it's time to move on, too. Head to Popeye's and get six-piece honey lemon pepper wings for $5.99. At participating U.S. restaurants, price may vary. But the outside world did it. The outside world, he's joining a team that won 73 games. He's, he's joining a team that already won a championship and blah, blah, blah. But the reality is, is I don't think that team wins another championship if Kevin doesn't come. Now, you may say, oh, yeah, but y'all won the fourth one without Kevin. But there's a gap in there where teams started to figure us out. And, and would, you, would you guys have beat Houston yeah. those, those two years without Kevin? Yeah, we was beating them for sure. <laughs> so, kidding me. That team was never going to beat us. <laughs> it just was not going to happen. What about we the, what about the, what about the Cavs then? We would not have beat the Cavs coming back around without Kevin. And here's why. Teams have figured us out. And I personally don't think at that point Steph Curry had figured out, I'm going to get a bucket whenever I want to. I don't think he was capable of that yet. I think he was still growing into that. And so because of that, once teams started to figure our offense out, we were starting to struggle more and more. I'm not sure if you remember that series of OKC where we were down 3-1 to one and we had to come back. And that's because teams had started to figure it out. And so what, what then in turn ended up happening was Steph still creates all the havoc that he creates. Like I tweeted, Steph faced so many double teams and Kevin didn't. That's a fact. Like you can go look at the numbers or just watch the game if you can analyze the game better than Skip Bayless. And um, <laughs> if you watch the game, then you see that Steph's getting double-teamed, and Ty Lue then goes publicly and say, I'm double-teaming Steph Curry every chance I get. Kevin wasn't getting double-teamed. But the reality is, is we got to a point where we needed to be able to give someone the ball that can just go get a bucket. And Kevin was already there. I don't think Steph was there yet. So it gets us through those two years. We get those, we get those two championships. But while we're doing that, Steph is continuing to work and evolving. And most importantly, becoming the strongest dude on our team. Draymond Green is the gift that keeps on giving. It is a funny and apropos way for us to start. Vince Goodwill here with you, along with the Natalie attire. Karin Phillips. From where? Where where you from, Karin? Sag Nasty, baby. Saginaw's on. Saginaw's on. So this is an all-Michigan, all-Michigan brother from another day in for Holly and Smith, and that's why we are starting with Draymond Green, just because it's funny. Now, you are obligated to defend Draymond Green because of your zip code, because of your home zip code. You are obligated to defend him. I am not. He went to Michigan State. I grew up a Michigan fan. I'm not obligated to defend him, but I don't think we are that dissimilar when it comes to Draymond Green. Carl Phillips, I'm going to give you the floor, Scooter. Go ahead. Go ahead and defend your boy. Uh, everything Draymond said was right. Like, what? I, over the last day since this is coming out, right, I, I watched the pod last night. Um, great pod, too. These, these are one of the two few players while they're playing podcasts that I listen to. 
JJ Reddick, who I think has the best podcast out, uh, podcast out now. Um, KD's every now and then, of course, Draymond's, and, and it's because of the high level basketball they discuss. Um, but you know, as we were, we were talking earlier, the Steph Hive. I've seen some of the chatter on social media since this came out, and you know, some of the grifting that's happened, and people just reading the headlines of what Draymond said, and they're not paying attention to the context. Um, and it's like they, they, they freelance got hurt because a man that's played with Steph Curry for all these years and been in all these dog fights, down 3-1, <laughs> um, up 3-1, all these finals appearances, doesn't know what Steph um, has been doing off the court and working out and getting bigger and how his game and how he, you know, goes about his work um, on the court. We hear these legendary stories, especially when KD got there, about how Steph and KD would just work on their own before and after practices. Um, so for to see people question Draymond's take on this is, is hilarious to me um, when you got a guy that's right there and has been in the Fox zone and he's like, all right, let me give you a peek behind the curtain, tell you how this thing really went down. And then people being like, oh, he's crazy. That's not how it went down as if they were there. Because if we go back to it, like he's right. You know, we think about when Steph came on the scene at Davidson his junior year when he went nuclear in that tournament, stayed one more season. I mean, it's junior season, and, you know, it was a different different stuff because he didn't have a point guard there. The nation was watching him as last year at Davidson. He gets in the system with the Warriors, the situation with Monte. They were trying to work out that backcourt. The injuries that we know he came back from, and then, you know, Clay, Steph, Iggy, Mark Jackson, the car, how everything went. Yeah, like, they needed a, we need a go-get-a-bucket guy, and they went and got the best guy in the world at that, and Kevin Durant, and it saved them and won them two titles because, yeah, they would have lost to the Cavs again if KD doesn't show up. I, I think, Karn, you, you, your last point was, was, was critical there. When you talk about the trajectory of Steph Crafting, that's where people sort of get it mixed up. Usually, when you're talking about guys who can get a bucket at a championship level, They've gone through natural steps on maybe losing teams or teams that have taken steps up. Okay, I can get a bucket, but maybe we're not good enough. Steph shot up like a supernova. He had some great years before. And I think in 2013, I might have voted him fourth on my MVP ballot, the, the LeBron uh, the LeBron year where he should have won unanimously but didn't. He won one vote short. I think, you know, Steph was fourth on my ballot that year. So it's not like he came out of nowhere, but he didn't have the consecutive years of playing at the level that he was at in 2014, 15, and, and so on, where he understood how defense was going to negotiate him. And, yeah, there was a game plan out on Steph Curry by 2016 was let's beat him up. Let's wear him down throughout the course of the game. Let's run him through multiple picks. He gets in foul trouble because he reaches all different types of things that we don't really say about Steph Curry now. Why? Because Steph Curry's game has matured. His body has matured. He has learned how to negotiate a game within 48 minutes. We actually saw that over the course of the NBA Finals. Remember back then when Steph would throw the ball all over the floor? You know, he would have those crazy turnovers and everything else. If you send a hard double, all those things had lessened even as maybe you would say he's not 99% of the player that he was at his absolute peak, but he's learned how to work the game. Whereas Kevin Durant, He's always been that guy. They still, if there's one thing you've always asked Kevin Durant to do since 2007 when he was drafted by the Seattle Supersonics, it's, A, go get a bucket. So while everybody looks at it as a Steph versus KD thing, which I think is really dumb and really, you know, silly at this point, and everybody, Karn, is going to point to, well, all he needed was a guy there and not Harrison Barnes, who shot 5 of 29 in the last three games. <laughs> that part is true. 
Harrison Barnes. I don't remember it being that court. good. <laughs> yeah, it, it it was bad. But for whatever reason, the Steph Hive, and I don't even think it's even Steph Curry that feels slighted, but I think the Steph Hive feels that any credit given to Kevin Durant during that stretch is taking away from Steph Curry's greatness. And that has nothing to do with anything from a historical context, Karn. Have you, do you ever remember anybody saying, well, Magic was great because Kareem was there? No. Magic was great because Magic was great. Kareem was great because Kareem was great. Both two things can stand in the same place at the same time without taking from one another while at the same time Steph wanting to prove that he could win without Kevin Durant. But we cannot be intellectually dishonest because I feel like a lot of people are being intellectually dishonest when they try to take away everything that Kevin Durant has meant to that franchise. This this championship does not wash away what they were going against in the Cleveland Cavaliers. That 2017 Cavs team, Karin, that was one of the greatest offensive teams we've ever seen and one of the worst defensive teams we've ever seen when you had LeBron at close to his peak and you had Kyrie Irving, you know, still on, still around mentally, still not losing it. You know, he was still there. So that, to say that Steph could have took on both of them as the only shot maker and shot creator, I think that's foolhardy. I think that's intellectually dishonest, and I don't agree with it at all. And and, and correct me if I'm wrong, but that 2017 Cavs team, isn't that the playoff run where they couldn't miss a three, and they just kept setting three point records? And yep. they, like, obliterated the Hawks. And whoever was in their face, it was like every – I remember it was like a couple games back-to-back. They had like 23, 25, or 26 threes where no one could miss for weeks at a time. And the Cavs just looked unstoppable. And that's when we were like, okay, we're getting Cleveland, Golden State. This is going to be the finals for the next decade. Um, and even it was at the game three for two years in a row. It was the walk down KD3 that solidified those games for the Warriors because while you might look at the numbers, oh, 4 2, 4 1, or whatever they were, like, oh, Golden State didn't have trouble with them. No. In the late, in the, in the second half and fourth quarter of those games, they were close. And when Golden State needed a bucket and they needed, and Cleveland was pushing, um, they gave the ball to KD. Not Steph. Oh, yeah, you, mean, you, know, you, what, you mean the baddest man on the planet? Is that what yes. you're talking about? The best, yes. the guy that I said was the best player in basketball that people bristled at because he joined that Golden State team. Yes. They needed him as much as he needed them. That was a mutual relationship. That is, that is Marcus Graham and that is Robin Givens <laughs> all at the same time. All right, They both needed each other to bring the best and worst out of each other because clearly we have seen the worst of Golden State Hive over these past couple of months. They can't even bask in their win. Everything has to be a clutch agenda or a 35 ventures agenda. It can never just be if we're going to contextualize this win with the other championship wins, how it's different. And there's nothing wrong to me, Karin, with saying Steph Curry has matured as a player. He's matured physically. He's gotten so much stronger. He's gotten better. Like, that's what you want your players to do as they get older, as your physical skills start to slide slide just ever so slightly you want them to get stronger and he's physically stronger you can't beat him up anymore you can't do the things that you used to do to him and that's because of those lessons learned and i would venture to bet karen being around kevin durant for three years watching how that man works watching how his own greatness was outside of the warrior system watching his sense of timing i'm betting that helped stephen curry too just like being around stephen curry helped kevin durant 
and, and, and all you need to know to solidify both our points is go rewatch Game 4 of the Finals and tell me if that ain't Steph Curry's best game of his life. Absolutely. Because that's what the Warriors needed to win that game and to win that series. And for all the people that are like, oh, the Warriors didn't have too much trouble with Boston, I always like to remind people, Steph Curry doesn't play the best 48 minutes that he's ever played in his life. We can make a strong argument that the Boston Celtics might have the Larry O'Brien trophy. I wouldn't go that far, Karen. See, whenever whenever we're talking, you always manage to take things <laughs> just a half step too far. Like, we were on the same page in the pre-show meeting. We were talking about, you know, historical players and everything else and where they stood in history. And then you took that one a step too far when you slandered a certain greatest at his position ever. I'm not even going to bring him up. You slandered him and tried to bring up half-wits as saving him. We're not going to do that here. Steph Curry played one of the tightest. Maybe it, you're right. I think it was the greatest game of his career, considering the circumstances. He was not loose with the ball. He understood the importance of every single possession. He wasn't messing around. But I don't think with the Boston Celtics that I saw in games four through six, the team that looked gassed, the team that did not look like it was ready for prime time with Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown throwing the ball all over the place, I would venture to bet, and there's no way to prove this, I'll venture to bet, that Golden State walked them down. They were down 3-1. They had that series one. I said the winner of game four wins that series, but Boston was done. Like, Boston had a, a last gasp. They were not going to win that series. It was going to take Golden State to take it from them, but I think Golden State and Stephen Curry was far more equipped to take it from them than you. And I know you're Duke biased because you love Jason Tatum no, and no, everything no. else. But that that I I I back I got to back up on back up on that with you, Karen Phillips. No, we we not gonna do that today. It, it, it's not because of of any of that. It's because it all all the, everything you mentioned is correct. I just don't believe that the fans in that arena would have let them lose Game Six at home if it was if it was three two. Assuming Karen. that you know Game Karen. Five. Golden State, I just don't. Hey, man. Uh-uh. Hey, man. Maybe, uh-uh. maybe it was watching Winning Time and seeing a little leprechaun. I just don't believe there are some things you can get away with in Boston, and I just don't think they would have got away with that in Boston. Karen, Golden State won game four at the Boston Garden during a whiteout. There's no greater atmosphere for Boston to win if we're talking about leprechauns and mystique <laughs> and everything else. It's a whiteout. And Steph Curry came and took it from him. No, no, no. Once again, what we're not going to do here is take credit away from Stephen Curry or take credit away from Kevin Durant. Multiple things can be true. And here's the other part. Everybody loves Draymond Green and everything that, that he talks about and everything that he says, especially Golden State High. But the second, the second he says something about maybe needing KD, when, you know, of course, everybody remembers the whole argument between him and KD, and in L.A. in November of 2018 and everything else saying, we don't need you, you know, leave, we'll win before you, we won't, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah, that's said in the heat of the moment. Now, when you're able to step back and be a little more sober and he says, yeah, we needed Kevin Durant, mm-hmm. you kind of got to take him at his word. And if you're Golden State Hive, you're going to say, man, let Draymond be Draymond. Like, you know, let Strong J be Strong J. She's buck wild. You got to let Draymond be Draymond. And you can't. You can't quibble when Draymond says something that he considers the truth, and he said it was his truth. 
He said he did not say it was the truth. He said it was his truth, and it's the truth, Karen, that I happen to wholeheartedly agree with. I'm I'm right there with you, but we're just going to disagree about that game six. I just think Boston pulls that off. You have no, Karen. Here's the thing, Karen. You have no evidence. Like you no, are you're, literally. You're absolutely correct. I don't. It's, it's here. It's here. It's this, it's just here. It's what, the is gut. That the bl- it's the gut. Is that bl- is that Black Lightning or Scooter? No, Which it's, one? you know, uh, it may be the Bruce Brothers cut of the jacket, you know, uh-huh. but, you know, it's the, yeah, it's the gut. Mm-hmm. That, that's what I'm going with here. You see, and I see, if, and if you guys, normally, I'm dressed a little more casually. You know, it's, it's late <laughs> June. We chilling. But that's Karin a good word. The, that's a good word. Karen comes to the set looking like Gerard. You know what I mean? And I got to <laughs> I gotta go back and put on, you know, my, my Marcus Graham. And then the, when we come back from commercial. The Gerard betting, is disrespectful. The Gerard I'm, I'm is disrespectful. Bet, would you rather be Nasty Nelson? Now, I would have took Tyler over Gerard, okay? The Gerard is disrespectful. I don't, I mean, put it like this. But when, when we, but here's the thing, Karen, when we come back though, we got uh, Christian Winfield. We We're going to talk some Kyrie Irving and the uh, push on doors that says pull and blame the door and all that type of stuff. You love Kyrie because you're a dookie. Christian Winfield is plugged in with Kyrie and everything Brooklyn Nets. So looking forward to what he has to say in a few minutes. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Back, Karin Phillips, Vince Go here with you. Christian Winfield going to join us here from the New York Daily News. Kyrie Irving, of course, opted into the final year of his contract worth well over $35 million with the Brooklyn Nets. You know, he called it a brave act or something like that, like a brave act. He called himself daring uh, to be different. Christian Winfield from the New York Daily News joined us. Christian, also a couple days ago before that, had the news that Kyrie received permission from the Brooklyn Nets to go out and seek a sign and trade. So, Christian, as we start with you, how does Kyrie walk into that building, even as a part-time employee? How does he walk back into that building after saying, you know what, I want to get out and find somebody else to dance with. I got to come back and dance with y'all sorry asses. You know, he's got to walk back into the building humbly. You know, like, this was a situation that he brought on himself that he brought onto the Nets. And the Nets called this bluff at the end of the day. They said, hey, if you've got other offers on the table, go explore. And if not, just come back here and run it back and prove that you earned, that you deserve that long-term extension. And, I mean, look, the numbers speak for themselves. 103 games over the first three seasons in the NBA in, with the Nets. I mean, the talent obviously speaks for itself. We consider him one of the most skilled players of all time. But is he going to do what it takes to be with his teammates for a full slate of games in a season? That's what it's going to take. And that's how Kyrie's going to have to approach this season. He's going to have to approach it humbly walking back into those doors. Remember, the Nets can still trade him. Uh, even if even if it wasn't a sign and trade. So he's got to come in there. He's got to put in the work. We know he puts in the work behind the scenes, but now he's got to put in the work on TV, 82 games in a season, if he's going to win the trust of this front office back. 
But you got Christian, what, Christian, what I want to know is the ridiculous amount of drama around this team, <laughs> around this particular player, um, and, and Kevin Durant in this whole marriage from the front office to the Joe Harris thing. Like, there were just headlines galore covering this team. Is there ever a moment when you are just like, I wish this were the Sacramento Kings? Can I get some <laughs> rest? No, 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 no. The, of, of any team you could have named, please don't don't have me going to Sacramento. That have been terrible. Um, listen, I, and I say this all the time. I don't ever really have to go looking for the stories. The stories come looking for me, right? Whether it's Ben Simmons, whether it's James Harden, Kyrie, KD, Joe, COVID. I mean, it, it, it's been. It, it, I, I've been. I haven't gotten rest up until even really now with all this offseason stuff. I can't wait to take a vacation. Um, but would I trade it for a different beat? Probably not. I mean, you're building relationships. You're getting to cover. You know, there's something to say about being able to cover players who are competing at, at the top of the class, right? Like being able to cover Kevin Durant, ask him what goes into being one of the best players of all time, really. And then kind of taking some of those gems and looking at how you can use those gems to improve your career, improve your life, or what things that players are doing that you can do, right? Sometimes you don't get that on other beats, but I'm, I'm blessed and our beat is blessed to be able to cover some of the best of all time. So, no, I wouldn't trade it for the world, no. especially not for the Sacramento Kings. I figured it. I figured that would be your answer. And I know this is like a little inside journalism uh, discussion right here, though. But I was just curious to it because I, I remember when I was at the Daily News, like around seven, 20, uh, 2017, 2018, um, and I was on that, you know, uh, race, sports, social issues, politics beat. Sure. If you remember how the NFL was during that time, like, I was sure. – it was something every single day I was writing about. And I was wondering, do you ever feel like with the way the Nets have been all season the last two years and even this offseason, there's always a story there, but it, sometimes do you feel like there's not a, enough time to do all the stories you want and that sometimes wow. you leave something, you know, on the cutting room floor that you wanted to explore more? Absolutely, but at the same time, that's the nature of journalism, right? Like, if if I want to write this profile on the the seventh or eighth man off the bench, and Kyrie decides, hey, I'm not going to get vaccinated, well, Kyrie not getting vaccinated is more important than anything I could have thought of in the moment, right? So, sure, there's probably some stories that I wasn't able to get to last season, you know, some some relationships that I wasn't able to make. But on top of that, listen. Uh, hopefully we're, we're getting locker room access again this season. And that opens up a whole different set of stories that we weren't able to get to last year. I mean, I, I think a lot of us took for granted locker room access before the pandemic came. And now that it looks like we might be getting that back this year coming up. I mean, talk about stories. We're going to have our, our pick of the litter soon. So, yeah, at one end, it's like, OK, when does it ever stop? There's always just like a, a storm of stories, whether it's good or bad when it comes to this team. But. On the other end, I mean, I'm on top of, of a superstar-driven team that's trying to compete for a championship. I wouldn't trade it for the world. This is Christian. I might be putting you in an unfair position here. Uh, I don't think I am. I, I I I don't think I am. But do you really believe that this Kyrie Irving Brooklyn Nets saga is over? Because to me, this ended a little too cleanly for me. He opted into the contract. He issued his he issued his statement about daring to be different as if opting into thirty six million dollars is daring to be different. Like you need to explain that to me. But this ain't over, is it? No, it, what the Nets essentially did was kick this can down the road one season. You know, at the end of the day, this is kind of just like a one year contract in a way where now the Nets have a decision to make 
this time next year. And it, it puts pressure on both parties. For Kyrie, now you have to perform in a contract year where you have no guarantees. You really don't want to get hurt because if you suffer any type of significant injury, that obviously impacts your ability to get a contract next year. But for the Nets, you know, if Kyrie comes out, he plays 82 games or whatever's close, 70 plus games, and he looks like that 50, 40, 90 guy that we've seen him be like, okay, well, now you've got to actually give him whatever the deal is, five years, four years, 200 and something plus million. And if you don't, now you're really now you're really back at square one, right? So what the Nets did was they, they put Kyrie in a position where they said, hey, you have to prove that you that you deserve this money in these, these guaranteed years. But at the same time, all they really did was kick the can down the road because eventually they're going to have to make a decision on this. And they still reserve the right to trade him as well. So it, it, there's a lot of moving parts here that are unresolved. And like you said, for something that was so messy, played out in public, it ended kind of cleanly. And I don't think it's over to begin with at all. It feels I'm, like I'm gonna, uh, I'm, I'm gonna let you have it. I'm gonna let you have it, but I think there's. I would not be surprised if he doesn't play another game in a Brooklyn Nets uniform. I'm just, yeah, I, that, I'm, I'm, just I'm just let that marinate. I'm with y'all. Like it feels like it, it was too clean. It feels like when you at the movies and you watch a you know MCU film and people get up and leave before the post credits and it's like nah, it, <laughs> it can't. It can't just be over. Like there's got to be one more scene. Um, it just you just know like some more drama has to happen, whether that's from Kyrie, um, uh, off-season signing, or Joe Harris coming back, or if Ben Simmons, something happens again and he can't play. It just feels like that was too simple for this team not to have any more drama until training camp starts. Oh, for sure. You're already seeing Woj come out reporting, hey, the the front office would like for Kevin and Kyrie to come back and start quote-unquote team building when the team isn't even already put in place. You know, I I think that there was really like a power struggle between Kyrie and and the front office right now, and obviously the front office won. But, I mean, we're we're not accustomed to seeing Kyrie being happy when he doesn't come out on the the top of things. So I'm really interested to see. I don't know if I would go as far to say as he won't play another game in Brooklyn. He'll never put on a Nets jersey. I think that what if if he if him Ben Simmons and Kevin Durant are all healthy on the same roster and you're building that team I think that is a real championship team but I mean at the same time Kyrie has done himself no favors by the way he's carried himself um, we're talking about two seasons ago when he took two weeks off after the insurrection at the Capitol we're talking about not getting vaccinated not doing what it takes to be there with your team uh, he hasn't really done himself any favors and now his future is kind of out of his hands and and, and la- last thing for me Christian do we know where Kevin Durant actually sits on this? There was this this assumption that if Kyrie wound wound up finding his way out, that Kevin Durant was going to be soon out of the door. Did you are are you led to believe the same thing, or was that people assuming a cause led to an effect? Um, I, I think it's it's somewhere in the middle, right? So obviously, yes, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving have this really strong relationship, but I think the where that came from is if the Nets lose Kyrie and don't get him back, don't get anything back for him, then the Nets not being able to compete for a championship would be ultimately what leads, what leads Kevin Durant to leaving. If Kyrie leaves and the Nets are able to get pieces in return that still, or maybe even improve their odds at winning a championship, I don't see Kevin Durant leaving. I think it all boils down to do the Nets have a chance to truly compete with the Bucks, with the Celtics, with the Heat, and with the guys out West? And if they don't, that's what gets Kevin Durant out the door. But I don't think it's simply cause and effect. There's the middle ground of, okay, well, what do the Nets get if Kyrie ends up leaving? If those pieces they get back can help them win a championship, I don't think KD walks out the door right away. 
Christian Winfield, free agency is less than, or I guess it's a day. It's like 15 hours away, basically, and some of the news is starting to trickle out. And I know you got to get back to work in the phones, man. Appreciate you joining us, man. Three brothers on national TV. The phone lines will probably be cut right after we leave this. <laughs> Appreciate you for having me, guys. Anytime, brothers. Hey, you go. You do good work, brother. Appreciate you, man. Thank you. Thank you. Keep Let's up them tweets, dog. My man, you know the vibes. John Wall, another one of those favorites, or maybe he's just a favorite of uh, Gary Carter uh, back in Stanford. Getting bought out from the Houston Rockets, joining the L.A. Clippers. He missed all of last season, I guess voluntarily on the chilling list. You know, he, he, he went and the Rockets were not on the same page. There was kind of a question about why he didn't push to play, but now he has joined the Clippers team that, if they're fully healthy, is as dangerous as any team in the NBA. So now we're going from one brother to another brother, Chris Miles, join us here, host of a bunch of shows for NBA TV. Chris, you are from, you've spent a lot of time in the Washington, D.C. area. You know John Wall pretty well. How do you think he's going to fit in with the Clippers? Do you think he has enough left after taking a full year off? Absolutely. I don't think he'll be the same player he was when he was hitting game-winning shots in the playoffs against the Celtics. But I, I did hear you kind of throw a little shade like he didn't want to play. The last couple of years, John has been recording all those videos, trying to get on the court like, hey, Houston, put me in the game. I'm ready to play. What are you guys doing? I think the thing I always loved about John Wall from the first time I met him is, you know, he's always kind of like a little timid in interviews. That's because he curses too much. Whenever you get him right off the camera, he gives you the real John Wall, and it's all about, hey, who thinks they can beat me in basketball? I'm going I'm to get his guy at work, blah, blah, blah. That's how he is. So to be there with Kawhi Leonard, to be on the same team as him, man, I think John will adjust. I just don't know um, his ability to shoot without the ball, like catch and shoot. I don't think he's very good, good with that. And with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, he's going to have to figure that out. And hopefully that's something he's worked on the past couple of years. Go ahead, Carl. What you got, Chris? Chris and I, I, I uh, you know, it's good to have you on there. You know, we we, we chat often um, <laughs> about about different stories. We'll we'll keep that between us. Um, but how wild is it? You know, thinking about this NBA free agency, um, as you know, is Wolj and Shams and Vince and Chris about to get into their Twitter wars. I'm gonna be refreshing to see who who's breaking the next news. How crazy is it? Like we just had Christian on is that with all these storylines and, and Kyrie and KD and John Wall and what are the Lakers going to do, the Knicks, we will get to that. But um, <laughs> Ben Simmons is, has been like the biggest question mark in the league for the last year, and no one seems to be talking about him or that storyline because everything else seems to be so wild, and it just keeps blowing my mind that – we still haven't given that situation and what it could or couldn't mean for Brooklyn because we're so focused on Katie and Kyrie. You know what Ben Simmons feels like? First of all, he's a 2K cheat code, right? So if you have him, it's like, oh, you can win championships with Ben Simmons and destroy people. But in real life, he, he won't shoot the ball. So then you go, all right, what are we doing with him? He feels like the girl at like your sophomore year in high school, was hot and everybody was like oh what about Shamika Shamika looks so good mm, she fine and then by the time you get to college you realize hmm 
she got too much happening with her. Well, now we're in our 20s. You know, she didn't keep herself together. Now, you know, Ben Simmons has had all these surgeries. I think people have just moved on from Ben Simmons, all the off the court stuff. Why would we discuss a guy that didn't play last year, that hasn't been to a conference finals, that hasn't really been a difference maker? I think it's like, okay, he's on that team. If he goes out in Brooklyn and he plays well and he's an all defensive team guy and he plays, you know, 70 or more games as an all-star again, then maybe we'll talk about what kind of effect he can have. But right now, why would we do that? He's like Shamika from the tenth grade that didn't age very well. You sound like you got some. Re- he got some, he got some real memories. That, that is yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a real person. Bro. That's a real person. That's Chris, cool. Chris, That's a- Chris, get it off your chest, man. Something you want to tell us? Is, is there something you want to direct to her right now? Hopefully, she saw this. I'm doing well. <laughs> well, speaking of who's doing well, or at least who thinks they're doing well, you know, you're a, you're a New Yorker, so the Knicks are always, for whatever reason, top of mind. They cleared a bunch of cap space. They did not draft the person in the first round. They moved some stuff around, get Kimball Walker out of there. They wound up making some move yes, moves yesterday, getting Nerlens Noel and Alec Burks shipped to Detroit as a salary dump to make room for Jalen Brunson, according to our buddy Chris Haynes, four years, $110 million, which is kind of a middle of the pack signing for a point guard, believe it or not. But, Chris Miles, do you think that Jalen Brunson is going to be the guy to help bring the New York Knicks back to some level of prominence, or is he just a guy? I think he'll be the, well, first of all, let's hope that the Knicks at any point rise to prominence. I mean, you use the term prominence, I got to think my entire life, 40 years old, there's never been prominence. There's been relevance for like three years in that time period, all right? So for prominence, I would say to answer that question, then it has to be the other guy, right? Like, okay, so Jalen Brunson, you sign him as a free agent, then the trade has to be DeJounte Murray, has to be, you know, the signing trade for DeAndre. It has to be someone else. If there's not someone else, then this doesn't move the needle at all. I like R.J. Barrett, but you'd have to keep him, add someone that's better than both Brunson and Barrett for this to make any noise at all. If it's just Jalen Brunson and the the Knicks team that's out there right now, just who's the best lefty? Is it Julius Randle? Is it Jalen Brunson or R.J. Barrett? That's all we're going to talk about as we lose games. I'm a lefty. I'm, I'm a lefty, so you, you're going to chill out with that lefty slander. All right, but and go ahead, Carl. Left, lefties get love over here. <laughs> no, and Chris and Vincent, like, right, I'm not mad at the money that Jalen's going to get, right? I understand the market. I made my jokes on Twitter about it because it's funny, and I love taking shots at New Yorkers and Knicks fans. The issue here is the hype about the potential Jalen Brunson signing because it hasn't been – this news hasn't been broken. No contracts have been signed. This is not a guarantee. It's not – if they get Jalen Brunson, great. We can understand how this could work possibly in a Tom Thibodeau offense if he could actually coach offense, but that's a whole other story. But it's the fact that we're treating this, and New Yorkers and Knicks fans are treating this like this is the missing piece to something, and it was like this is what New Yorkers and New York media do. Remember a couple years ago when they were getting Kyrie, Katie, and Zion, and it never happened, and it seems like every summer – 
This is the free agency summer that they're going to get a big, a great free agent that's going to change the culture. And it's like, it hasn't happened. Why do y'all keep thinking this is going to happen? And it drives these narratives and it never happens to where if they get Jalen Brunson, he could be really good. But if they don't do anything, they're going to point and blame at Jalen Bronson but for not being a savior when that's not who he is and not what he's ever going to be if this thing does work. And I'm just always frustrated in how the story around this situation has evolved to where it goes from being a, yeah, this is a piece they need to they're treating this like he's Bernard King or something. It's just like, come on, y'all. Like, New Yorkers, stop doing this every year. Chill out. Well, I think what they did at the draft made it interesting because, look, when the Knicks put the team together with Carmelo Anthony and Amari Stoudemire, that was the time where it was like, oh, it was hope. But then Amari Stoudemire immediately got hurt, and that never came to fruition. I think that's the last time there was a Knicks group, which is a decade ago, that we were like, oh, maybe this could be something. So, like you said, it has to be another guy for it to make any waves, and that guy seems to be Donovan Mitchell. That's the name we haven't mentioned, people. You saw him at the Rucker with my man Mikey posing for pictures, right, at the opening of the Rucker this year. You saw him at Dykeman. Donovan Mitchell, come on home, man. What you doing in Utah? Utah could take all those draft picks and some other players from the team. Donovan Mitchell, come on home to New York. I know you're a Mets fan. We won't hold that against you. We'll get you a Yankee fitted, right? Everything will be all good. Why, oh, why do y'all keep torturing yourselves? It just makes the jokes that much more funny when everybody chooses Siberia over playing at 33rd and 6th. Ain't that where it's at, 33rd and 6th? Yeah, I guess they Madison call it. Square Garden. I'm, I'm from, from uptown. 100 blocks, 100 blocks north is what I know, all right? 39th and Linux. That's what I know about. That's what we call it. Oh, you, you call know it 6th. We call it Linux. My bad. I'm not from New York. I lived at 33rd and 6th, and Madison Square Garden was two blocks ahead. I couldn't never sleep because the lights was always on because they was always losing. My bad. I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. That That's just, you know, the Knicks. I'm sorry, Chris Miles, I can't help myself. Taking shots at New York Knicks fans, especially when your owner doesn't come out and talk, your GM doesn't come out and talk, you're leaving fans to their own devices. And I get New York Knicks fans saying, you know what, Jalen Brunson's going to be the answer because guess what? There's nobody telling them with any sense of confidence that he's not. That's the problem. That's a much bigger problem than even whatever narrative is around it, is that nobody's there to actually speak to the people, speak to the media, because they're afraid of their own shadows and afraid of the sound of their own voices. Chris Miles, thanks for joining us, man. So glad to have you on with us, brother. I'm still just laughing at the idea of Mitchell, Barrett, Randall, and Brunson in an offense run by Tom Thibodeau. That would be a train wreck. Oh, that means you got to get Come get Tibbs working with us at NBA TV. That's what that's about. Right, wow. Appreciate you. <laughs> Appreciate you, brother. Dietz & Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Could Baker Mayfield ever play again for the Browns if that if that 
I think it's uh, been pretty obvious the mutual decision on both sides is, is to move on. You know, I'm, I'm thankful for my four years in Cleveland. There's a lot of ups and downs and a ton of learning experiences that, uh, you know, I'll forever keep with me. You know, I, teammates and friends and, and relationships that I'll have for a lifetime. And, you know, just flew in last night from East Lansing, Michigan for Drew Stanton, who's my mentor. He was a quarterback there in Cleveland when I got drafted. And just relationships like that you're just so thankful for. So, I mean, the support staff in Cleveland, the people of Cleveland, it's a great sports town. So I'm thankful for it. And that's, there's no resentment towards the city of Cleveland by any means. But I think a lot of people think if they didn't have a quarterback for the next year, would, would there be any chance of reconciliation there? No, I, I think for that to happen, there would have to be some reaching out. But uh, we're, we're ready to move on, I think, on both sides. The great Steve Wise here joining us of NFL Network, NFL Media. Steve, great to have you on with us. Just heard from Baker Mayfield there. He sounded apoplectic almost about his time in Cleveland and being ready to move on. But nothing's happened. You know, break, break it down for us. What's the what's the tone of Baker Mayfield's reputation around the NFL? Is it still that he's immature? Is that he can't perform at a high level as a number one quarterback? Why hasn't there been any level of interest? Or are teams just waiting on him to be released so they don't have to take on that massive salary hit this year? Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's a little bit of everything. Look, some teams really like Baker Mayfield. Other teams didn't. I mean, there's a lot of teams where hey, we need quarterbacks, but okay, let's go out and get Marcus Mariota. Let's go out and get some of these other guys. Because they, you know, they know Baker's in the last year of his deal. He is playing for his next deal. Some some teams will view that as motivation. Other teams will view that as him looking out for himself. So there's that part. Then there's the almost $19 million guaranteed salary the teams do not want a part of. And do not underestimate this. Very few of the other 31 owners are happy that the Browns, when they traded for Deshaun Watson, guaranteed him a $230 million contract. Because now, anytime they've got a quarterback coming up, be it Justin Herbert, be it Joe Burrow, be it Lamar Jackson, those guys are going to say, that contract is the floor for me. And that's, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of folks who aren't loving the hazards right now. So they're just not going to do them a favor by giving up much to get Baker Mayfield. Cleveland's going to have to pay part of the $19 million salary for some team to come get him. When you look around the league, guys, there's very few teams that need starting quarterbacks right now. And guess what? Jimmy Garoppolo, he's recovered from that shoulder surgery. He's starting to throw the ball. There's a lot of teams who'd rather have a quarterback like Garoppolo, who's played the Super Bowl than Baker Mayfield. Look, for me, ahead, as, as, as a Michigan native and Michigan fan, Anytime bad things happen to teams in Ohio, I celebrate it. So I've been loving watching this because, you know, anything in Ohio and that state can burn and die. Um, <laughs> but as we're talking about the Browns here, we got the, May- we got the Mayfield situation. Uh, we will get to Watson later. But we're getting what, you know, they're going to start, you know, working out. What are they going to do with that quarterback situation with all these question marks? Because you went and got a guy, like you just said, and gave him all this money, but he might not be playing. We'll we'll touch on a little later. And the guy you had there, that's over. If this doesn't work out for them um, and the NFL doesn't do what I think they would do, like who do you slot in at that position and and how many options do the Browns have? Well, Jacoby Brissett's going to be the quarterback. I mean, that's why they they signed Jacoby. Here's a guy who started, I think, 60, 
some games, he, you know, he's not put in some great situations, so he's got a losing record in those situations. But you have to look at the leadership stuff. Guy's got a huge arm. Um, he So, you know, Cleveland's probably thinking, they're, okay, we'll have to rock with Jacoby for six to eight games. But they got to rock with him for a full season. You know, you have to ask yourself, I mean, he's he the guy to get us over the top because the rest of this roster, except for wide receiver, is Super Bowl ready. I mean, they're stacked, you know, at all three levels of the defense. Their offensive line is excellent. They've got two great running backs. Um, so that's the issue right there in a division where you've got the AFC champions, Cincinnati, Pittsburgh, and Mike Tomlin. They, you know, they look vulnerable for the first time because of their quarterback situation, but the Ravens aren't going anywhere. So, you know, you've got to be competitive. And right now, they're at the biggest quarterback disadvantage in that division. And we've seen all the talent trade come over to the AFC as well. So if they got to rock with Jacoby Brissett, that's kind of what they, you know, they set themselves up to do. Like, okay, we'll, we'll go with Jacoby. But, you know, Baker Mayfield is not walking through that door. They're not going to pay the salary for Jimmy Garoppolo. So maybe if they feel they've got to go out and get a veteran who's out there, fine. But that veteran player is not going to be any better than Jacoby Brissett, who's been in their camp all summer learning the system. So I think that's what they're just, you know, ready to do. And if they've got to run the ball 45 times a game, those start running backs, you know, the Chubb, you know, and, and what they have back there, that's what I guess they'll plan on doing. Yeah, you mentioned that defense. Miles Garrett is a monster on that line. And I think that's I think that's something's going to come to the forefront this year. But that, now we got to talk about the nasty man. We got to talk about Deshaun Watson, unfortunately. It, it, he settled 20 of the 24 cases. You know, you start to come out yesterday, Steve, that the NFL, I believe that they, they recommended an indefinite suspension, which sounds like a year, but maybe it's going to be six to eight games. I guess my question to you is, does the NFL have a leg to stand on considering the Daniel Snyder situation that hasn't been fully addressed? Or do you look at what happened last year with him basically being on the, on the indefinite, on the list where he basically didn't play at all as a suspension in itself? And then that is being factored into whatever punishment he'll receive in addition to that. Now, remember, he was on no list last year. It was basically a mutual agreement. Oh, he's just inactive. He's, oh, he's just inactive. That's yeah, right. but they said, we're, we're going to pay you to stay away. So, you know, that was the mutual agreement right there. He was not on a commission exempt list or anything like that. So right. that was just an agreement. So you, But you better believe that the Players Association, which has, you know, its attorney, Jeffrey Kessler, who has been, uh, an, an advocate, antagonist in the NFL and labor negotiations, things like that for years. He's, he's working for Deshaun here. He's going to say he's, he missed last year, right? He's going to argue that point of him not playing last year. He's going to argue the point that he has settled these cases. And he's going to argue the point that two grand juries found no reasons to criminally charge Deshaun Watson. So therefore, he should not be suspended any games. Whereas the league is going to argue Look, we have precedent with Ben Roethlisberger, with um, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, guys who were not criminally charged, but they violated the league's personal conduct policy. So we sat them down for a number of games. So those arguments are going to be presented because remember, it is not the league that makes initial disciplinary. They have an agreed upon disciplinary officer that the Players Association and the NFL agreed upon. Whereas before, Roger Goodell was, you know, judge and jury in the situation. Now they've got a third party who's going to listen to all of the evidence and make a decision there. And then there could be appeals on either side. But, you know, we'll see what happens. And this is something that this third party uh, is going to have to decide 
you know, in terms of at least the initial disciplinary action on Deshaun Watson, if there is any at all. Steve, the way the way you broke this down, and, and if we take a look at all the variables at play here, right? We've got the Players Association, we got the league, um, we have the history of suspensions, we have the history of NFL players and wrongs against women. We have what's happening in this country right now um, with Roe v. Wade. And we just saw this franchise give the biggest guaranteed contract to this guy. Is there any way that any side is pleased with whatever comes down? Because in my gut, I just feels like whatever they decide isn't going to be enough. Because I personally don't feel like a year is enough, even if he does get a year. But I just see that whenever this happens and the decision is made, there is going to be one side that is rightfully pissed and outraged. Um, well, because this is how these things usually turn out. Yeah, there's 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 no there's going to be no win for whatever ruling comes down, right? So let's suppose he gets a year, but then there's going to be people saying, "Well, look, people accuse you know players of stuff all the time. There's no really hard evidence that you know a grand two grand juries found to prosecute this guy. So now players, it's open season on players to be accused, you know, with, with you know with whatever you know word you know witness testimony whatever." And be suspended, right? That's that's going to be one side saying, "Well, okay, players now are, are more vulnerable than ever." Then you have the other side saying, like you just said so eloquently, "We've got the Roe v. Wade, we've got the whole Ray Rice reaction, we've got the domestic violence issue, and everything that the league says it's doing to care for women." We've got the workplace misbehavior stuff going on in Washington right now. Those accusations that have drawn congressional hearings that Roger Goodell testified at. Optics are bad. All over the place. All over the place. So, again, regardless of the decision on this, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to say that's too lenient, that's too rough. There is a no win. There is a no win for anyone here, including, you know, these women who are alleging these things. I mean, there's there's no win here other than, you know, they, they settled financially. I guess they were okay with that. But there's really just no win optically or any way around anybody with the situation yeah practically it's just ugly and unfortunately it has to it has something has to come down and like you said for us to be able to react to it you know the nfl deshaun watson all these parties involved they're going to have to come to something because it can continue to stay ugly if you know it goes to arbitration if suspensions are challenged and everything else but steve wash nfl media nfl network man appreciate you the dean of all this brother good brother appreciate you man appreciate you guys All this for a league where 47% of their fans are winning. It's crazy. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Can you believe it, Karin? 30 years to the day, the greatest black ensemble comedy film of all time, Boomerang, was released in theaters. Eddie Murphy, Robin Givens, Halle Berry, Martin Lawrence, David Allen Greer, 
And then we got, you know, the Jeffrey Holders, Eartha Kitts, Grace Tisha Jones. Campbell. Tisha Campbell, that's right. Dude, it was Leela Roshan. Leela Roshan. <laughs> yes. So so I'm gonna ask you that because I think that's like the it's the greatest, the greatest black film of all time. It's Boomerang. Greatest black wow. comedy film. Coming to America comes coming to America is up there. But if you tell me it's boomerang, I'm not gonna argue with you. That scene right there where Robin Givens is blowing in Eddie Murphy's eye, trying to seduce him and all that. Dude, what was your favorite line from the movie? Well, well, I, I take categories off. I think it's the greatest film in cinematic history. Um, <laughs> it can be a drama at times. It could be a rom-com at times. It could be a straight comedy. I think it's the greatest film ever. Uh, my favorite line is, not even if Jesus was pouring it. Um, I, and what I appreciate the most about this movie, you know, most people have this misconception of like, yeah, oh, you're a bachelor. You wanted to grow up and be like Marcus Graham. But like my favorite I character you in the were movie, Marcus Graham. No, my favorite character in the movie is Jacqueline Breuer. Um, but I have great appreciation for Marcus Graham. What a surprise. Yeah. Listen, what a listen. surprise. What a surprise that your favorite character in the movie is the woman that gave everybody all the hell. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, listen, why. listen. Uh, Robin Givens in the 90s was undefeated, okay? Let's let's not forget, fellas. Look it up. Ladies, too. Um, but, you know, my great appreciation for Marcus Graham isn't just about who people think he was. It was, a, it was the little things that I like about him. Um, the crib was always spotless. He could dress. He was the best in the world at his job. It was things like that that I really appreciated. It was like, oh, this is something to model yourself after. You know, look, he had the ladies and all of that. That was great, too. But it was the, the things that made him attractive to women are what I focus on and what I, I love the most about the character. So you never sent single long stem roses to five women with the card inscribed? Yeah, thinking only of you? Never did that? Nah. Nah, but I, I keep Prosecco in the refrigerator uh, just in case because the secret to my salmon is the rosemary butter sauce. <laughs> the rosemary and butter sauce. Look at big, big my man, Karen Phillips. You have given away the, you have given away the secret. Thank you, Scooter. Appreciate it, man. You know when this game is over, though, Karen? The game man. is over when the white ball knocks the black ball, black ball. completely <laughs> off the face of the earth. Racial, See, now, man. Racial. Now yours is coming out. Yours is coming out. <laughs> that was also a movie about classism. It was also a movie about classism. My man, Johnny Witherspoon. Mm-hmm. Oh, baby, it's time to get you another one. Smith is back tomorrow, y'all. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.